Good morning, church. The, the scripture reading this morning is from the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 5 through 11. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, when, <clears throat> when Becca and I had our first uh, child, we, we suddenly, maybe some of you experienced this too, we suddenly had all of this uh, spare time on our hands while he was feeding. And so to pass this spare time, we went deep into binge-watching home makeover shows. Um, now, I don't know if you've ever seen a home makeover show, so if not, this is, this is the basic plot line. So you get introduced to a family, you hear a little bit about their story. Uh, they set a budget. They pick out some old, uh, worn out home that they want to remake. And then uh, <clears throat> the designer would start working and would eventually come to them with, with this like state of the art 3D like animated video of what their new beautiful home uh, was going to look like. And now Becca and I, we, we are some of the least handy people possible. So home makeover for me would be like putting up a new shower rod. And so this was usually the point in the show where I would be thinking, no way. There is no way. You are practicing dark magic if you think you are going to turn that beat up old building into this beautiful home. How is this going to happen? Oh, well, if you were here last week, that might have been the question. That might have been the question that you left asking. How is this all going to happen? You see, last week's passage ended with, with the Apostle Paul saying that in the gospel, God wants to remake you into someone beautiful. That as Paul put it uh, in verse 4, which came right before our passage, Jesus came so that the righteous requirement of the law would be fulfilled in us. Now you see, any, any law is a reflection of the heart of the lawgiver. And that's just as true of God's law as any other law. 
God's law is a reflection of his heart. And there is, there is nothing more beautiful than the heart of God. That's why the most beautiful person who's ever lived was Jesus. Because with every, with every breath, with every beat of his heart, he was fulfilling the righteous requirement of God's law. And so Paul last week said, the reason Jesus came, in other words then, was to make you into someone beautiful with him. To make you and me into people who in, in imperfect, inconsistent, messy ways reflect the beautiful heart of God, begin to live out God's law. But I don't know about you, <laughs> But when I look inside myself, when I, when I look at the, the little bit of the brokenness and sin in my own life that I'm actually aware of, I think, how is that going to happen? How, how is God going to turn this into something beautiful? How, how could we ever reflect the, the beauty of God's law? How can we do that? Is, is it through redoubled effort? Is it through doing more and trying harder? Is, is it through unlocking some new category of, of serious Christianity? No. No, that'll never work. No, we need something so much more powerful than that. Something that if you're a Christian, Jesus in his lavish love for you has already given you today. Something that's actually a someone. The Holy Spirit, who as we're going to see in this passage, makes it possible for broken, imperfect people like you and me to begin to stumble through living out the beauty of God's law. A beauty that can capture the attention of our city with Jesus. And so Paul's going to show us how, how this is, how Jesus makes us beautiful through the Spirit by giving us two options and then by giving us two guarantees. So first, Paul gives us two options. Uh, if, if we were to boil down humanity to what we most basically are as people, what do you think it all comes down to? Is it a, a series of Myers-Briggs letters? Is it your political party? Is it good people and bad people? Who, who, do, who do you most basically think that we are? Well, according to Paul, if you were to boil down humanity to what we most basically are, there, there's only two types of people. There's people who live according to the flesh, and people who live according to the Spirit. Now, when you hear that, you know, flesh and spirit, it can sound like what Paul's saying is physical things, this world, tangible things, those are all bad. Spiritual things, ethereal things, those are all good. But that's actually not what Paul's trying to say here at all. Uh, so what is he trying to say? Well, I, I think we can understand what he's saying if we ask these two options, these two ways to live, a few different questions. 
So first, what do they desire? So Paul says, people who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. And people who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Now, to set our mind on something doesn't mean that we just think about it. Uh, it it's, it's deeper than that. It means that, that we're focused on it. it. We become preoccupied with it. it. It captures our attention, our imagination. It, it becomes what we desire, what, what we most want out of life. And Paul says the, these two different options, they, they desire two very different things. One desires the things of the flesh, meaning what the flesh thinks about, what, what the flesh is preoccupied with, what, what it's captivated by. The other desires the things of the spirit, the things that, that capture the spirit's attention, what he longs for, what he desires. So what's the flesh preoccupied with? What, what, is, what has gripped its attention? Me. Uh, a few years ago, H&M had this ad uh, <clears throat> that promised to make you look so good that you would become the main character of every day. Now, come on. There's a part of us deep down inside that we all want that somewhere, right? That's thinking according to the flesh. It's this self-preoccupation, this, this focus on me. I'm the main character in the story. Everyone, everything else, they're just, uh, they're just the supporting cast. And now this, this can look a couple different ways, though. It can look like someone on one hand who would say, I, I couldn't care less about God. This is my life. I'm going to live it however I want. Or it could look like someone, on the other hand, who has this, this outward veneer of high morals and serious religion, but, but at their core, they're full of self-protection before God, self-righteousness with other people, thinking that, that they can muscle themselves into change rather than seeing themselves as a deeply broken person who will need the transforming power of grace every moment for the rest of their life. The flesh desires me. It's preoccupied with the self. So what's the Holy Spirit desire? What's he want? Well, if we were to keep reading the rest of this chapter, Paul actually tells us. The Spirit in the rest of chapter 8, Paul says, marks us as adopted sons and daughters of God. The Spirit quiets our fears by assuring us that we're the Father's beloved. The Spirit gives us a unique intimacy with God. The Spirit teaches us to cry out to him in our need, Abba, Father. In other words, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is so preoccupied with constantly reminding us of how loved, welcomed, cherished, and delighted in we are by God in Jesus. Only he, he doesn't just want you to, to know that. He wants you to feel it too. 
The Holy Spirit, he, he wants to work down into your bones the, the message of Romans 8 that starts with no condemnation and ends with no separation. He wants to bring the non-condemning presence of Jesus into the places in your life this morning where you feel most condemnable. The Spirit wants you to tell you, as one of my favorite authors put it, if you will listen to him, and not grieve him, nothing but stories of Jesus' love for you. I mean, think about that. Jesus so wants you today to not only know, but to be swept up into his embrace of you that he bled and died to give you his spirit to sing that love of his into your heart every day to set our minds on the Spirit, means to become preoccupied, to become captivated with the unwavering, unashamed heart of Jesus for you. Setting your mind on that, that will produce true beauty in us. So guys, what, what we need this morning isn't stronger self-will, but, but a deeper heart persuasion that in the gospel, Jesus really loves us with no hesitation or regret and is more committed than we ever could be to remaking us into his very loveliness and lovingness. Setting our minds on that, that will produce faithfulness in us. That will produce lives of significance in us. That will begin to see the law lived out in us. That will create a genuine desire for repentance in us. Will allow us to take our sin, the obstacles in our lives, to loving well more seriously. Will we'll call us back to sanity in our moments of gospel amnesia where we revert back to snacking on the flesh rather than feasting on Jesus. This is what these two options desire. This is what they want. The self or Jesus. So where do these two options lead? Verse 6. Paul says, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is peace. Guys, that there is nothing trivial about these two options before us. It's the difference between life and death. What has captivated, what has most gripped your heart this morning is either killing you or breathing a life into you that only Jesus can give. And so third, lastly then, where do these two options end? Paul says in verse 7, for the mind that's set on the flesh is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law. It can't. Those who are in the flesh can't please God. See, a life lived in the flesh, a life lived to please myself, a life that, that's holding on to our good works that we think God can't refuse can never please God but a life lived in the Spirit, a life captivated by the love of Jesus for us in the gospel, is a life lived under the well-pleased well heart of God. 
Not because we've, we've finally done enough to put a smile on God's face, but because of the work of Jesus accredited to us from the moment we become a Christian. God, who has full view of all that we are and are not yet, is now just as pleased with you on your worst day as he was with Jesus on his best day. And if we set our mind on that, oh, that'll start to produce that'll start to form the beauty of God's law deep down in our heart. So Paul gives us two options, and then he gives us two guarantees. Through the Holy Spirit, it, it's possible for, for broken people like you and me to begin to stumble through living out the beauty of God's law. And, and so to encourage us in that direction, Paul gives us these two guarantees. First, a guarantee now. He says in, in verse nine, you, however, you are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they don't belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. Uh, a, a couple years ago, Burger King had this commercial uh, that's been called the Moldy Whopper. Uh, the whole commercial <clears throat> was these, these time-lapsed photos uh, of a Whopper sitting on a stand for 34 days. So uh, here's a picture of what it looks like on day one. All right, looks pretty good. Here's a picture of what it looks like on day 34. Right, just take that in, soak it all in. The whole point of the commercial, ironically, uh, was to say that, that Burger King's food was real food. It's not pumped full of preservatives. It won't last forever. It's, it's food that molds, that gets fuzzy, that gets gross, that, that falls apart like it should. Now, now, the point was so that you would want to go out and buy a Whopper. I don't know about you, but... All it did was make me never want to eat a Whopper again. That's off the menu. Thanks, we can flip back off of that. I don't think we want to see that anymore. Food, food, it should mold. It should break down. It should fall apart. Our bodies shouldn't. We were created in Genesis 1. We, we weren't created in Genesis 1 to die. As Christians living in the, these bodies that, that still, they fall apart, they pass away. Paul's saying that that should stir our hearts that even though sin is no longer reigning over us, we are still in a world that's fallen and longing for the fulfillment of God's plans of grace. And so what's the hope we can have as we sit here today, as fallen people in a fallen world, what's the hope that we can have that the beauty of God's law can actually be formed into us and flow out of us? Three words in verse 10. Christ in you.
You see, this is the essence of Christianity. If you you were to peel back all the layers of the onion down to what it most simply means to be a Christian, this is what you'll discover there. It's the life of Jesus in you. And when you have Jesus in you, even though our bodies are falling apart, the spirit of Jesus is nurturing in you today a mind that is set on Jesus, a heart that is captivated by Jesus, and a life that looks more like Jesus. If you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit in you today. He's not an occasional visitor. He is a permanent resident. He has made your heart his home, and he is nurturing in you down to the very fiber of your being true beauty into you. He is making you more and more, your greatest desire being led by Jesus, your greatest sorrow being led by the flesh. He's got a power in you all of his own. It's imperfect. It's messy. It's two steps forward, one step back. Or or a lot of days feels more like one step forward and two steps back. But the point is, it is happening. And the Spirit is doing all of this in you, not just when everything's going well, but also when things are really hard. And so what's our role Our role is to participate in the work the Spirit is powerfully doing in us, which takes effort, which takes intentionality, which takes hard work, but that work is me following the grace of the Spirit's work in me, which is a whole lot different than me trying to crowbar myself into being more like Jesus. This is the guarantee that we have now that the beauty of God's law will be formed in us and flow out of us, the spirit who is alive inside of us. But we don't just get a guarantee now. We also get a guarantee to come. Paul says in verse 11, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your moral bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Guys, if you have the spirit of Jesus in you, Paul's saying here, he's not going anywhere until he completes his good work of making you into the very beauty of Jesus. In the gospel, our destiny isn't determined by our self-defeating failures, by our inconsistent progress, by our repeated disappointments. Our destiny is determined by the transforming grace of the spirit inside of us who will one day resurrect us into the very beauty of Jesus, the one perfect law keeper, A beauty that will transform not just our hearts, but our very bodies. Jesus is committed to beautifully remaking every part of you that has been marred by sin. There is not a single atom of you that will get scrapped into some cosmic trash bin at the end of time. Every part of you that Jesus has made, he will remake into a stunning holiness that as we'll see in a couple weeks, all of creation this very moment is on the edge of their seat waiting to see. 
And it's this guarantee of the work of the Spirit to come that that enables us to stay present and open now when his transforming work in us is hard. When his work of of remaking our hearts to live out the beauty of the law for the glory of Jesus feels more like death than life. Because we're guaranteed where it's all going to end. When we're risen like Jesus, and the book of Revelation tells us on that day, the wedding doors will fling open. And Jesus is going to look down the aisle at us, his bride made beautiful, and run to come get us and spend forever with us. Let's pray, guys. Spirit, we, uh, we pray right now that what Paul told us of your work in this passage, you would be doing in this moment. We pray that, that as the word was preached, not my words, as God's word went out, that you would set our minds on what you're preoccupied with, the gospel of Jesus, and that as you do, you would transform our hearts to reflect in our lives the beauty of God's law for the glory of Jesus. Amen.